Maybe it's a classic or maybe a flop. Has Katie seen it? She probably has not. She'll sit down and watch it if it's good or it's bad. Hey, have you seen this? No, Katie hasn't seen that. Hi, I'm Katie, and if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, wait, you haven't seen this movie? Oh my god, you need to see this movie. I'd be very rich. So this is my podcast, where I finally watch those movies you all have told me I need to see, and I tell you what I think. All right, we are deep into season two of Katie Hasn't Seen That, and now we're diving into movies that I have handpicked for the rest of this season. And we are starting with one. If you've seen the episode title, you already know what movie I'm watching that I was not allowed to watch growing up. This might just be me taking charge and watching a film I wasn't allowed to. But also, I don't know if this one's going to have aged well. It's from 1999 and it's a little movie called American Pie. I'm not going to do the spoiler rhymes anymore. I can't. It's becoming a it's just not working. So be warned, there are spoilers in this podcast. I talk about lots of things. See, I'm already getting wordy. There's spoilers. Just be warned. You're you're warned. Okay. It's like a do not trespassing sign, it, but it says spoilers. Trespassing ahead. Uh, I'm god damn it. I'm working on it. American Pie. It stars Jason Biggs, Sean William Scott, Allison Hannigan, Chris Klein, uh, Jennifer Coolidge. It's so beautiful. I'm working on an impression. I can't do a Jennifer Coolidge impression. Hold on. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's not. It, it's a work in progress. I'll get there. It just might take a lot of time to get there. Eugene Levy's in this as well, apparently. And oh, yeah, Tara Reed's in this. This was a movie when it came out. Also, I know Blink-182 has a cameo in it, and I love Blink-182, so... That gives me enough reason to watch it. I remember I knew Blink-182 was in this and I was so sad I couldn't watch this film because I just wanted to watch it for that cameo. And guess what? I'm going to watch it for that cameo. But I am nervous. Movies from the late 90s, especially quote unquote comedies, don't age in a way that makes me feel good about myself. So we'll see what this movie has to offer. I do know what this movie is about. It's isn't it about high schoolers who need to lose their virginity before prom or on prom? It's something about sex and boys and then the ladies they try to have sex with. This movie is viscerally in my brain. I think I've seen some scenes from it. Obviously, there's I don't want to say iconic, but I guess they are iconic scenes that some people can't unsee. Something with an apple pie, something about a flute. So I have obviously been spoiled a bit on this film, but I don't know as a whole pie, <laughs> I've only seen the pieces, uh, what this movie is or what the message is or what the point of it is. So I'm very curious to see if American Pie has aged well, if that cameo with Blink-182 is worth it, if I'm going to feel angry or happy, am I going to laugh I have a lot of conflicting thoughts in my brain of what this watch will be for me. It's labeled as a comedy romance. So this is like kind of a rom-com. Not the kind of movie I would qualify as a rom-com. One of those like raunchy comedies is kind of where it falls in my brain. But apparently it's listed as a rom-com. Or I guess comedy slash romance. I might be taking some creative liberties there. This one's clocking in at one hour, 35 minutes. Sweet spot for me. We'll see if I'll hit that wall of movie exhaustion or I mean, because I feel like if you watch a movie 
I watched a movie on a friend's podcast. The podcast is called Murder Moose and they watch horror movies. Josh and Rod host it. We watched a movie called Shark of the Corn and I hesitate to even call that a movie. I hit movie wall like 15 minutes in, no joke. So I feel like if it's a good movie, you can watch a movie for three hours and not hit movie wall. Like Lord of the Rings. I love those movies when they came out. I don't remember hitting movie wall for those. I rewatched Fellowship of the Rings so many times. Samwise and Frodo are friendship goals and I will die on this hill. I don't think anyone's going to fight me about that, but I'm just saying I will die on this hill. That film didn't hit movie wall. I would say maybe in Return of the King, I hit movie wall a little bit. But what I'm saying is a movie can be three hours long and you don't hit movie wall. A movie that is an hour and 35 minutes, I might hit movie wall. We'll see. I feel like this movie might be just me screaming at my television or just kind of feeling like I need to take a shower after. This is going to be a sexual film. I don't watch a lot of these. So, oh, American Pie. The budget, $11 million. They made this movie with $11 million. Want to guess how much it made worldwide? $235,483,004. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of profit. And now I know why they made so many follow-ups and sequels. I won't lie. This one I've been very curious to see what the ratings are for. So without further ado, let's just check them out. It has a 7.1 out of 10 on Internet Movie Database. 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.3 out of 10 on Blu-ray.com. Nobody wants that. No one asked for that, Blu-ray. You're going to make me bookmark Metacritic. Metacritic has given this 58 points, or rather a 58. And then Google users, oh, good old Google users gave it 86%. Google users, they kicked it up a percent on this one, 86%. So besides the Google users, across the board, it seems like it's just like slightly above 50%. So I feel like the chances are pretty high that I will either like this or hate it. I feel like, though, sometimes the ratings are pretty high and then I end up just savagely attacking a movie that is beloved to many of you. So, you know, you never quite know where I'm going to fall on the rating spectrum. So I guess without further ado, I'm going to go watch American Pie. Okay. Pray for me. I'll be back. American Pie. I watched it. I sure I sure watched this movie. Um, where do you begin with American Pie? There's not really like a plot. There's a plot to this movie, but it's mostly just things happening for the most part in this movie. Um you know what? Let's just read the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. American Pie is a movie. That doesn't say that. That's something I added. But the description for the movie is a riotous and raunchy exploration of the most eagerly anticipated and most humiliating rite of adulthood, known as losing one's virginity. In this hilarious lesson in life, love and libido, a group of friends fed up with their well-deserved reputations as sexual no-hitters decide to take action. This movie is about four dudes who just decide they want to get laid by prom. I knew that that was what this movie was about. So I guess we better talk about it. Um, All right. So this movie starts off with the main character. I have already... This movie's forgettable. All right. Like I saw it and I experienced it. And it's one of those movies where you just kind of go, okay. And your brain dumps all of it out of the sides of your head, except for like a few bits. 
So character names are just gone. Good thing I have the internet and I can look things up, such as Jim, the character played by Jason Biggs. This movie starts off with him watching scrambled porn on a TV. Man, the times have changed. I remember in 1999 when this movie came out, it was so controversial and it was so like, you know, that's how I feel like collectively society went. But I also have to say, like, watching this in the year 2022, in the advent of porn on the internet in the way that it is now, just the fact that he was watching a scrambled TV and couldn't get a good reception, and then his parents walked in, I was so uncomfortable. This movie with the parents, especially Jim's parents, Jim and Eugene Levy, it just, oh my god, I have never been more uncomfortable There were moments I was screaming, I was covering my face with several of their interactions, but in a good way, because I was like, wow, this really does kind of encompass what it's like to be around a parent and in an uncomfortable situation. So yeah, it starts off strong with that uh, scrambled porn, and then we just dive right in. But you gotta admire the technology differences from back in 1999 to today. This movie was so dated just purely because of the technology. And also, some of the stuff was just flat out wrong, but we'll talk about that later. One of the things I have to mention is, I love Eugene Levy. He's so young in this. So is all of them. So is all of them. All of these people are little baboos, little babies. These actors are like, some of them are like 50 now. Nothing wrong with me in 50. I'm just saying like they were young in this. 20s. Um, That was one of the things about this movie. They all kind of looked like they were supposed to be in college, like early to mid 20s. These were not high schoolers. Some of them did look young, but a lot of these were very mature looking people for high school. Though I know in Hollywood they do that because they try to find people who are young but old enough to work long hours. And so that's how that happens. It reminds me of Euphoria on HBO. Those people are not high schoolers, okay? Those people are also Greek gods and goddesses and also definitely in their mid to late 20s. (laughs) But even with saying that, they all look so young. And man, this movie was just right out the gate. We're meeting all the characters. The audio was a little off sometimes. It was kind of awkwardly filmed, but it had a weird nostalgic feel to it. It almost felt like a Disney Channel movie. The content, not so much, but like the way it was filmed, it had that same vibe of like, I was waiting for any moment Hillary Duff to pop up in the corner and do the Disney head. Is that what it's called? The Disney head? <laughs> Mickey's ears? <laughs> the Disney head. <laughs> um, I don't know what kind of childhood you had, but mine was much different. It just had all the qualities of a Disney Channel original movie without the goody two shoes content. I don't know if it was just raunchy comedies from the late 90s, but they had that feel. It's just like a feeling, which I don't know if that's easy to explain. But if you find any late 90s comedies, such as 10 Things I Hate About You, Blast from the Past, Office Space, if you know what I'm talking about, you understand what I mean. It's like there's these movies that have a quality where it's like you're watching a movie. You know you're watching a movie. It's not highly produced. It's not incredibly slick or the audio is perfect all the time. It has this like homemade feel, which it's definitely not homemade. Obviously, a lot of effort goes into these things, but it has a feeling like 
in the basement of your house, there's this couch that is so old and has been used so much that it's soft in all the right places, maybe a little too soft, but you sit on that couch in a kind of cold basement with a blanket wrapped around you and a bowl of microwave popcorn. And that's the kind of feeling this movie gave me. And I don't know if that's just nostalgia talking, but it had that feeling. Please tell me I'm not the only one who knows what I'm talking about. If you think I'm crazy, tell me that. But also, if you understand and can relate to what I'm trying to express, I would love to know. Or if you have a more eloquent way of putting it, please, please tell me. But it's like those movies that make you feel almost like you're going home. And I do think that's probably something where this movie came out at a very pivotal point in my life, because I feel like 1999 was a year for me that I don't know if it was the time I was transitioning to sentience because I, you know what, I'm going to say it. When you're a young kid, you don't remember shit. And then also when you're a young kid, life is just a bunch of colors and sounds and (laughs) okay, I'm simplifying it, but I feel like there is this moment in our lives where we flip over to being more aware and being more conscious of what's happening in our world. And I feel like 1999 was the year for me. You know, I think 1999 changed my life. And this movie came out then. People were upset about it. It talks about sex. It talks about young people wanting to have sex. But it is very much from the male perspective. This movie had glimmers of female empowerment, but they were very quickly squashed. I'm going to say it. None of these characters were likable. Okay, I didn't I wasn't rooting for any of them to lose their virginity. I was just kind of like, why is this such a big deal? (laughs) It went about things in just an odd way, but I also feel like my perspective has changed. This movie has some real problematic stuff in it, but it was a little bit better than I thought it was going to be going into it, meaning like I thought there was going to be just red flag after red flag. I mean, this movie's all about sex. It's about young people losing their virginity for guys who would do anything to get laid. You know, like the whole point was like, what are we going to do to get laid? We're going to pretend to be someone we're not. And, you know, one of the characters, uh, Chris Oz, Oz, (laughs) I had to look at the thing, finds out something about himself because he joins a jazz choir and originally did it to tap into the hot market of the jazz club to get a lady to bang. Um... (laughs) But turns out he found someone he actually really identifies with. For to start this movie, we have this Oz character thinking he's going to get laid on a party night because he's hanging out with a college girl. And he says this line. Okay, I should let you all know this movie has adult content. We're going to be talking about adult content. Okay. He says this line to her. um, Suck me beautiful. And I cringed so intensely at that but the girl um just shut him down and tried to educate him in a very light and small way but I was like good for you girl just not like just shutting that down um but we just start off this movie meeting every character there's a lot of characters in this and one of the characters is Stifler who's played by Sean William Scott and I love Sean William Scott In real life and interviews I've seen, he seems like such a nice person. I hated Stifler so much, but I know that was the point. Stifler is the epitome of every man I never wanted to meet ever in my entire life. But this whole part that started off with Oz, you know, saying suck me beautiful in a car is on the same night Stifler's throwing a party. 
And Stifler's party looked so boring. There was like not a lot going on. But I guess in high school, I didn't party in high school. Okay. I was homeschooled. (laughs) I didn't go to parties. I wasn't allowed to. So I just kind of got my idea of what parties should be from movies. Is this what a party was like in high school? Seemed pretty low key to me. But they're just these men talk so much shit on each other for not having sex. And one of the things that is interesting is I don't feel like that would be a discourse nowadays. In some circles, it probably is. But in general, I feel like things have shifted. And I think in a more positive way where it doesn't really matter if you've had sex or not. I mean, also, I'm not in high school. Maybe I'm completely out of touch. But I just feel like what I've noticed is that the conversation doesn't seem to be so like your entire identity and worth is based upon if you've had sex with someone or not. And that's what this movie's about. It kind of whittles everybody down to their worth being associated with sex. And I mean, that's just a toxic way of thinking. There's so much more to life than that. But also the pressure. I feel like if I was a young boy or girl who had seen this movie when it came out, my brain would have maybe gone, oh, God, should I be doing this stuff? It just seems very narrow minded. Granted, this movie was not made for kids. It's rated R. It was made for adults to watch. I feel like this started the raunchy comedy era that doesn't seem like it's around as much anymore. It seems like we had our hot tub time machines and our... I can't think of any other raunchy comedies. I've seen a lot of them. I would say like the Step Bros count. I don't know. There's just like this era of those kind of comedies. And I feel like those have petered off a bit in the last few years. This movie, watching it now, feels like a commentary on that time. And I thought that was really interesting to watch because in 1999 and even the early 2000s, the aughts, ugh, it's just it was different. It was different than we are now in 2022. And I feel like with everything that we have in our lives, the technology and our access to so much things, just being on the Internet, everything has changed so rapidly from 1999 to now. Not only just the technology, which was glaring in this, but our thought process. I hope that that's the case. It feels to me like that's the case And I'm trying to not just focus on that for the movie and also just talk about the movie. So I'm going to switch gears and we're going to talk about the movie. Like the music. Oh my gosh. The nostalgia. Bare Naked Ladies. Sugar Ray. Primitive Radio Gods. Oh my God. Flagpole Sitta. There was so many songs in this that I was like, I know this one because I grew up with it. So this, this was also one of those movies Mark brought up when we were watching this was like, oh, you know when they used to push soundtracks with movies? Like, hey, American Pie is coming to theaters, but don't forget to get that soundtrack. And this was one of those movies where I was like, they tried to make a baller soundtrack for this movie, which honestly, I would have bought this soundtrack. There's some good stuff on this one. I might just listen to it one day just for shits and giggles. So yeah, this movie's about having sex. There's this one character named Kevin who's dating... Tara Reed's character, who's, oh, her name was Vicky. I have forgotten all of the names besides Stifler. Literally, Stifler is the only character I remember the name of. But I think Stifler's kind of an iconic character in this. Speaking of Stifler and Kevin, uh, there's a moment where Kevin's getting a blowjob and he decides to finish in a beer cup. So there's sperm in this beer cup. And Stifler brings up a lady to this room, kicks them out. And then, um, oh my God, there's this whole scene 
where he this girl's like, oh, I forgot my beer downstairs. And he's like, don't worry about it. I got a beer right here. And I'm like, also, no, do not drink unattended glasses of beverages from anybody at any party. Like as a female, like that's just something I know. You never accept a drink from someone you don't know. I would always have my hand over my glass. Like in college when I would go to parties or, you know, being older, like it's a habit I have. I just put my hand over cups. And if I have to leave my drink with someone or put it down somewhere and I I kind of lose my account on what's happened to that drink, that drink's gone to me. I will not touch it again. I've personally known a lot of friends who have been roofied. I mean, it's just it's so common and it's just something where that's a whole nother tangent. But Stifler should not have been offering open beverages to this lady. Point of the story is uh, there's sperm in it and Stifler drinks it. And I wrote in my notes, so gross, but he deserved to drink that beer because Stifler is the worst character. The epitome of a guy that nobody wants, no girl, no guy, nobody wants to meet and have in their life, honestly, like, is he a good friend? He ragged on everybody. He hit on women. He also spanked Nadia, which I was like, there's the consent. Holy shit. At the party, he just spanked her. And he's like, I'm coming back for you later. And I'm like, oh, dude, that is just not cool. It's not OK. And that was stuff I noticed in this movie. And that's the thing with raunchy comedies, too. Sometimes people are just objectified and those characters are OK with it. If it were me, I, I would have made a scene, okay? There would have been a scene at Stifler's party. But that's if, you know, that's if I wrote the movie. <laughs> I will say this movie was slower than I expected it to be. The pacing was kind of weird. It was just like either a lot was going on or nothing was happening. And there's also a moment where Johnny Cho is in this. John Cho, I don't think his name's Johnny. John Cho was in this. And uh, is this the origin of the word MILF? Because they're admiring pictures of Stifler's mom. Well, I looked it up and apparently American Pie was not the origin of MILF. It seems like it traces back into the 90s, but that American Pie made it more popular. They do shout MILF quite a bit. And I can imagine in the right hands, someone seeing this movie and then learning that MILF is a fun thing to say. So I guess we have to give credit to American Pie for making MILF a literal part of our verbiage that is used a lot more often than you might think. I will just point out that this movie makes men look awful. From my perspective, it made me, you know, like I didn't watch this and go like, oh, wow, these people are so cool. This movie just like they're thinking about sex all the time. It's their only point. I, w- I kept waiting for this movie to have some sort of like growth moment. And there are small growth moments at the end of this movie, but it's just kind of like not the point of this movie. I just I'll, I'll just say like it, this movie just doesn't make men look great. The whole idea that sex equals manhood is so narrow minded, in my opinion, I think in general, our society is just so hyper focused on sex and honestly makes sex such a bigger deal than it should be. I know I grew up in a time frame where it was it's like taboo to even have the talk. I'm assuming it's still like that. I feel like it's probably difficult for a lot of people to discuss and even formulate words on how to speak on, which I know I do sometimes because I remember in college I used to watch. Oh, what was her name? She had like a late night show and she would do sex education 
Oh my gosh, it took me a long time to find this because there's a show called Sex Education now. And I was like, what is this show? It was Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth had a show and she just kind of sat at a desk and talked about sex stuff and sex toys. And she was this unassuming older lady and she would answer questions. And I remember watching that in college and I was like, I've learned more from this than anything in my entire life. And it demystified so much the way that she spoke about things in such like a it's not a big deal and you're not weird for not having sex or having sex and like all those things that no one talks about. So, yeah, I feel like Dr. Ruth is doing the Lord's work, honestly. (laughs) It just feels like this movie specifically has a narrow minded approach, but I also think it reflects the time. You couldn't make this movie now. You just you just couldn't. I don't think you could make it. I'm going to tell you why you couldn't make this movie nowadays. I was so disappointed that Nadia asked for help. Nadia is the foreign exchange student played by Shannon Elizabeth. I remember at the time she was like the hottest thing. I used to be so jealous of her because I'm like, she's so pretty. Uh, she's, she's just a beautiful person. But she needs help and asks Jim for help and wants to have tutoring at his house. And she needs to change because she gets done with ballet practice. So she, you know, he goes, that's fine. And then all of Jim's friends say, you need to broadcast this over the internet while she changes. The amount of exclamation points and question marks in my notes, if only I could show you. In this movie alone, this did not age well the most. And at the time, was this okay? Like, clearly it was not thought of in the same way as it is now, I don't think. Because he gets the camera set up. It's so 480p, super dated. Oh my gosh. Like it just, no audio. It was clearly like he was going to broadcast this to just his close friends. But he accidentally broadcast it to his whole list. The thing that was also is, is it's just not practical is that she's changing. She's looking around his room and finds porno mags and then goes, yeah, I'm going to masturbate. Like, I don't know, everybody to each their own. I was just like, if they're about to tutor, I mean, does she really have time to do that? He's also, by the way, ran across the town to get to his friend's house to watch this. And then it kind of turns into a thing where they're like, go back because she's ready to go. And so he runs back and then they almost kind of have sex. But because he's a virgin, he can't hold it and, you know, really botches it. And then in the next shot, it's like, oh, yeah, she was so embarrassed or mortified she went home. But I think it was because of him, not because she knew that she was broadcast over the Internet. It's almost like I don't know what to say about it. It just you know, it it was uncomfortable and it went on for so long. And I was disappointed that that was where the Blink-182 song is. Because you all know, if you listen to the intro, I was like, Blink-182's got a cameo in this. Also, why was there a monkey? Why was there a monkey in this? That was also very, very much a 1990s movie thing. We don't need small monkeys, okay? We, like, it was not needed, Uh, But apparently at this band practice, because they wanted to watch this girl changing as well. I don't even I don't even know. I love the song that was playing by Blink-182. I believe it was Mutt that was playing, which is one of my favorite Blink-182 songs. This is a thing like I'm willing to give this movie a little bit of like grace because it's like, oh, it's a raunchy comedy. It's fiction. This guy also 
fucked an apple pie. So like, let's just take it with a grain of salt. But like as a woman watching this film, there was just stuff that I was like, ooh. And that sound needed to be that long because it's very accurate to how I felt. I just want to know what the writers were thinking. Like, I wish I could have been in that writer's room. I wanted to know if it was just horny dudes or like who was like, yeah, let's get a naked lady and just broadcast it on the Internet. Morally, they had to know that wasn't okay. You can't film someone without their consent. I feel like in 1999, that was also common knowledge. So I wasn't a fan of that. And then it just kind of felt like a throwaway thing. At least they brought Nadia back in the end when she's talking to Jim. And I was like, okay, maybe they will have like a relationship or something. It was just, oh, but I know there's uh, there's sequels to this, right? I think he ends up marrying that uh, Michelle. Michelle, from, uh, I feel like I have talked so much about so many things. And I haven't even covered some of the topics in this film. I'm going to go through my notes, try to keep the tangents to a minimum. There's also a lot of gay panic in some of these movies, too, I've noticed. I feel like that's the thing is like, I mean, it's from an era. It's from 1999, but it bums me out. And I'm like, that's not that long ago when we had these things. I watched Friends. Oh, there's so much gay panic in Friends. And I'm just like, okay, it's fine. Because and also they're making fun of Oz for being in choir or glee club. I guess it was jazz club. There was a joke in the locker room about him being gay. And I'm just like, because he sings? Because he joined a club to hopefully have sex with a girl? It's just Stifler's toxic. (laughs) All right. Stifler is just toxic. Stifler also gets jealous because Finch, this character that was barely in the movie except for a giant shitting scene. Finch was an odd character. Don't know why he was in this. He was barely in it. And when he was, he did make an impression, though. Um, There's this girl named Jessica who helps is she just like a guru? She helps everybody, it seems like, with their sex questions and relationship advice and starting rumors that Finch has a giant penis. But Stifler gets jealous and then drugs him with medication to make him shit and embarrasses him in front of a bunch of the school. So he didn't get a date to prom. <laughs> I just sometimes I'm like, why do all these movies have like bathroom scenes? Like, is that a criteria that needs to be met? They're like, oh, does it got the poop bathroom scene? Like Harold and Kumar, can we just like take a minute to maybe try a different thing? Also, Kevin wants to make Vicky orgasm, I guess, because he's never actually done that. And there's this like holy grail book that is hidden in the school library that has sex tips But it only comes up one time for giving her an orgasm. And he had the book in the room and he had to like reference it while he was doing it. And I was like, he couldn't take some time to memorize this one page and all the tips and tricks? Apparently not. But that was a thing. But that didn't really ever come back. That was just for that one thing. And I just realized that. That was a choice. I also have to talk about the apple pie scene. I have to say, Eugene Levy made this movie for me. Like, he just was perfect in this. He handled all the awkward stuff so well. Like, he bought Jim Sex magazines, and it was just so awkward. But it was just, I mean, just the way he did it worked really well. I was covering my face, which is something I do when I get uncomfortable. And uh, I screamed. So kudos to you, Eugene Levy. (laughs) 
It's just also Jim's dad is so understanding about so much. Like if you came home and your son was making love to an apple pie, I hate that I said that. But Jim's dad was so cool about it. Just kind of like, I guess we'll just tell your mother that we ate it all. And why would they sit there with the pie in the middle of the table? Also, why wouldn't Jim bring the pie into another room? I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like, why would you just do that in the kitchen? Why wouldn't you just decide, like, hey, there's another location that might be safer for me to have sex with this pie? I guess maybe logic wasn't uh, part of the equation for that one. My God. The thing about this movie, though, I will say is this friend group, specifically Jim, Oz, Kevin, and Finch, Though, again, where is Finch most of the time? I'm going to say Jim and Kevin are very supportive of like each other. They show up to events and support in the crowd, like at the jazz club, because Oz left a very important game because he's, I almost said he's in Yacht Club. Yacht Club is not, it's close. He was in lacrosse um, (laughs) and he left a lacrosse game to go sing in this jazz chorus competition instead. And that's how he wins over Heather. And Kevin and Jim are there just cheering him on. We meet elusive Stifler's mom at the end. They all lose their virginity, right? I have literally sat here for like almost a minute actively thinking through them. Did they lose their virginity? Kevin did because Vicky decided she wanted to take the power and have sex with Kevin because she didn't want to do it with some rando in college. Then she broke up with Kevin right after. Um, Jim had sex with Michelle, who was the band girl which I haven't really talked about, Michelle. I know that she has her whole line of like, I stuck a flute up my pussy in band camp. I won't say Michelle was underwhelming. I was not as impressed with Michelle as I thought I was going to be. I don't really have much to say about Michelle. She was just kind of there. I don't think her line was that provocative, but apparently at the time her saying that was like, (gasps) and uh, me over here, I don't get shocked by much. I have a very high tolerance for things. Like in movies like this, I don't like injustices and things that are inappropriate in the sense of filming someone changing and broadcasting it over the internet. But like with horror movies and lines like I stuck a flute up my pussy, okay, you do whatever you want, you know? In 1999 though, that was a big deal. I'm just always unbothered and sometimes I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Should I be like more upset about things or more like, oh, and I'm always like, all right, you just keep on, keep it on. Yeah, I hope that you cleaned that when you were done, but sounds like band camp was a wild time. So yeah, Jim had sex with Michelle. Oz, I think had sex with Heather. It was implied. Kevin had sex with Vicky and then Finch had sex with Stifler's mom. So we meet Jennifer Coolidge's character. I love Jennifer Coolidge. I got to work on my impression still. So beautiful. Didn't work, but I'm gonna, I'll keep on working on that. Though she didn't do her signature voice really in this. She just had normal Jennifer Coolidge voice. She didn't do her whole, wow, you know? She has like a signature thing and she just kind of talked like a normal person in this. But Jennifer Coolidge brought it and she had sex with Finch. So they all kind of got what they wanted on prom. At the end, I did appreciate that they had a moment where they're like, oh, we had sex. It was fine. And we can all move on with our lives now. And there was a moment where Jim was just like pissed off and is like, I don't want to talk about sex anymore. 
So there were moments in this film where I'm like, oh my gosh, they're having breakthroughs, but they're so short-lived and they're passed over and glossed over so quickly that it didn't really matter, you know? I can appreciate some of the nuances, but I also can't forgive a lot of it because there was a lot of other stuff that was just like, um, was it intentional or was it just like an, a lucky line that they threw in there? <laughs> I do have a question. Who is this movie for? Is it for pubescent young horny people? Because I think that my, my husband said he watched American Pie a lot. And I quote, I... <laughs> I actually liked American Pie 2 better than this one. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this information, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> and here's the thing. Mark watched this movie a lot, and he's turned out to be a fine, wonderful person. On an entertainment scale, this movie is sitting in the basement in a worn-out couch with a blanket wrapped around you and a bowl of popcorn. It has this weird nostalgia. If you can look past some of the stuff that's just like, holy shit, and just kind of take it. It's a movie. It's not that bad. I will say this movie's not great, though, either. It's mindless. If you want to care about none of the characters, if you want to just watch something that is slightly suggestive, a little raunchy, and just walk away without worrying about if you figured out the philosophical meaning behind anything, then this movie probably is for you. It's just, I'm not mad I watched it. I feel like I got to see that thing that almost had this giant red X on it for most of my life. You know, I never watched this movie. I wasn't definitely not allowed to watch it when I was younger or even in my teen years. And then I just, you know, I turned 18, went to college, still felt like I couldn't watch it. And then, you know, as an adult, I just prioritized the mummy. Okay. I prioritized the mummy over American Pie or, you know, watching something like Pan's Labyrinth. I will say I had seen a little bit more of this than I had realized because Comedy Central loved playing this movie. And in the era of cable television and commercials, I had seen clips of this, like just bits when I would secretly try to watch it because we all did it. OK, we all did it. We all watched the channels we weren't supposed to and try to sneak television. I used to sneak Buffy the Vampire Slayer clips from movies I shouldn't have been watching on Comedy Central, which was already edited. OK. And we all snuck MTV or you were the other person. You had cool parents who were like, you just watch whatever the f you want. And you want to know what? Those people turned out fine. OK, the people who didn't get to watch those things and had to sneak it. I think we have more of a complex. I'm one of them. I will fully admit that. <laughs> I don't know who this movie's for. I don't think it was made for me. I didn't hate that I watched it. I feel like I did see that. I don't want to say this. I'm going to say it. I gotta, I don't want to say it. Uh, I gotta take a slice out of that American pie that everybody always talked about. I hate myself. So what am I going to rate this movie? I honestly don't have a rating yet. I have a blank out of 10 with my themed rating. What am I going to give this movie? Overall, it's a raunchy comedy. It's not something that really made me laugh besides Eugene Levy making me scream uncomfortably. I think I'm going to give this movie six out of 10. I don't think I'm going to have apple pie for a whiles. That's a pretty good one. I have talked in this unedited uh, bit for 40 minutes about this movie. So I think I need to um, give you some trivia and uh, 
get this train moving. What did you think about American Pie? Did you see it when it came out? Do you disagree or agree with anything I've shared? <laughs> Let me know. Just tweet at me. Comment on the video if it's on YouTube. Just tell me. Come to my stream and tell me about this. I want to know what you thought about American Pie. Do you think it deserves its place among film legacy? This film is literally embedded in the world now. Like American Pie did something. I don't know what exactly it is that it did, but it did something to have staying power. Do you agree with that? Do you think this movie should have done that? Now I'm kind of curious about this sex education show. I've heard good things about it. Maybe I should watch that. All right, some trivia for you. Apparently, this was written by screenwriter Adam Hers, and it was titled originally Untitled Teenage Sex Comedy That Can Be Made for Under 10 Million, Which Studio Readers Will Likely Hate, But I Think You Will Love. And apparently, the name went through many iterations from East Great Falls High to Great Falls and then to finally American Pie. This is not unsurprising. It took four tries for this film to get an R rating instead of an NC 17. It really wasn't like that bad, though. It had like boobs in it. Sometimes I feel like the MPAA, they get a little bit on their high horse about stuff. This is wild to me. Sean William Scott was paid $8,000 for his role as Stephen, Stephen, Steve Stifler, which was his first role in a feature length film. The famous line that Michelle says when Jim and her are having sex of say my name, bitch, was ad-libbed by Allison Hannigan and then was kept in the film. There are so many fun trivia facts about this movie. I could literally go on forever. Sometimes I'm struggling to find something interesting for this. I literally could read tons of these to you all. This is a Easter egg for some of you. If you know me, you know how much I love Costco. Well, apparently the apple pie in this film was from Costco. Oh my God. But if you're a fan of movie trivia, I highly recommend looking up trivia about this movie. It's super interesting. When I was a kid, I used to sit down and look up filming locations and trivia and goofs and bloopers, continuity errors, all that stuff. I used to love to do that when I was younger. And sometimes for movies, I'm like struggling to find good trivia. This one has a bunch of interesting trivia. So I might actually sit down and scroll through this later. You know what? This movie's not that bad. Okay. I didn't hate it. It was fine. It's a background movie. And sometimes it's nice to watch background movies. Hey. It's future Katie. And you just listened to an episode that is so drastically different from the last episode. This was the American Pie episode. And the previous episode was on The Prestige. Two very different movies tonally. And uh, I'm going to read you some comments that some of you shared with me about The Prestige. There were some really interesting comments. So I'm just going to dive right in. First up, let's get a comment from the YouTubes. Thank you to Invisible Jazz for sharing. Maybe I do better at suspending my disbelief, getting immersed, not looking for predictions, etc. But I found this movie much more immersive and unpredictable than you, it seems. I kind of wish you could enjoy it the same way, but eh, we're all different and movies are subjective. I also really like the Tesla coils, so this movie had a bonus for that. Plus, your good friend Michael Caine always makes a film better. 100%, I do feel like Michael Caine was the best part of The Prestige. Also, I noticed this. Michael Caine is in the Batman movies. He plays Alfred. So I think Christopher Nolan is a repeat recaster. And that actually made me realize that. So thank you so much for your comment, Jazz. I'm glad you enjoyed The Prestige. And I loved hearing what you liked about it. 
Another comment from YouTube I have to give a shout out to is from Viraland, who said, your catchphrase could be, if you haven't seen this, you're now the problem, which works as a spoiler phrase. Maybe if there's a season three, I can bring that out because I kind of love that because I am no longer the person who hasn't seen it. This podcast just turned into a philosophical journey. Katie hasn't seen that is about me now seeing the movies. And so then I have seen them. Ergo, if you haven't seen the movie, then you are, in fact, the problem. (laughs) I actually love that. Thank you, Violent, for sharing that with me. Hopping into Discord. We do have a Katie hasn't seen that channel in my Discord. If you'd like to join it and join in the conversation, we had a comment from Quintessa who shared this about the prestige. The fact Jackman's character took it to lengths he did in order to beat Bale's character because they kept one upping each other or the amounts of rivalry and hate escalated. So much could have been saved for both if they could have found a way to work together or make room enough for each other. There's a teensy spoiler for the movie Hamilton, which I don't know if that is a spoiler for the musical Hamilton, but I'm going to skip that part. But Quintessa goes on to say, I think the bird trick is also foreshadowing for the end somewhat. The twists and turns were a bit much and definitely confused people. But I think that to me is what kept me hooked the whole way through the pacing and cringe involving the relationships with Borden and Fallon with their situation. I was interested in the tricks and the motives behind things waiting for the literal prestige of the movie's culmination. I loved this. I loved hearing all your thoughts about it, Quintessa. Thank you for sharing. And I'm so glad that you've been listening to season two of Katie Hasn't Seen That. There were so many comments on this one, and I just want to share as many as I can. So I'm going to share a couple from Twitter now. The first coming from Menagerie, who said, completely new to this and thought it was great, meaning the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you listened and that you liked it. They went on to say, I remember liking this movie, but now my memory keeps intertwining it with The Illusionist, which also came out in 2006. I may rewatch, but I also did experience plot fatigues, so I get that 100%. Also, I LOL'd at dead floaties. Also, thank you for reminding me of that Cheez-Its video. It lives rent-free in my head, and I'm so glad I could remind you of it. But also, thank you so much for listening to the podcast for the first time and sharing your thoughts. It means a lot. I loved that you loved that I said dead floaties because sometimes I don't plan a lot for the podcast. Like, I literally just talk. I make notes on the movies. And I have like certain things I need to hit, like I got to talk about how much the movie costs or what the ratings are. But for the most part, the conversation just flows out of me and I don't realize what I say sometimes. But Dead Floaties was a good way to put what happened in the prestige. (laughs) And last but not least, I have another comment from Twitter from Chai who shared my thoughts after finally listening. Maybe you're a reincarnated magician from the 19th century, so all the twists and turns were just yawned to you because you already lived it. Who knows? Maybe that is the truth for me. Jai also said, anytime we start a movie, it can be a good one or a bad one. I will be your trapdoor water coffin clone anytime if that means you get to see good movies. Thank you, Chai. Thank you to everybody who's listening to this season of Katie Hasn't Seen That. It has been so fun to get all your comments and get to hear what you think about movies. And I am dying, literally dying. I've known about this episode, the American Pie episode for a while now. And I am mm, waiting to see what you all have to say about this one. So don't let me down, everybody. Keep those comments coming. And I can't wait to see what you thought about this episode and also what you thought about American Pie. That's it for now. And I will talk to you all in the next episode. 
if you want to hang out with me more, or if you just want to yell at me for my thoughts on a specific movie, I stream over on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash katiepetersplays. If you'd like to support the podcast and buy me a coffee to fuel my reviews, you can over on Ko-fi at www.ko-fi.com slash katiepetersplays. You can join my Discord to discuss the movies I review with other Katie Hasn't Seen That fans by visiting discordapp.com slash invite slash katiepetersplays. If you enjoy Katie Hasn't Seen That, please leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps others find the show. Also, feel free to follow and chat with me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Instagram and YouTube at KatiePetersPlays. Music written and performed by Mark Can Do It, Katie Hasn't Seen That is a part of the Geek Generation Network.